0: Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast and other resources, please go to bethelcleveland.com. Here we go to Second Peter. So many things running through my head right now. You know, from uh, last night we had a little worship time down at Jerry's house out in the country barely found my way home after that but anyway it was uh we were learning some of these new songs and listening to them that that last song is uh i I just i i mean i feel it's a it's a it's a mantra for a revolution in the spirit i could see thousands of people singing that in the days ahead write your name on my heart i mean it's just so powerful when i first heard it it just it it kind of went into me and came out of me. You know It's like the words that were programmed into your very spirit to know what to say to the Lord. Write your name on my heart. I belong to you. I mean, that, that stirs you. And then Jerry gets up and talks about Evan Roberts, and you know, I had an opportunity to be, stand in his pulpit in uh, Swansea, uh, Wales. And while I was there too, we also took a journey into the coal mines and they drop you down at twice the speed of a regular elevator. During the coal mine days, 100 years ago, when they were mining these mines when the Welsh Revival broke out, they would drop you three times the speed. I mean, it was because they wanted to move guys in and out very fast. And I learned so much through it because these were rugged men. They had children working in those coal mines, 200 feet down, as early as five years, guarding uh, the doors that, that kept, uh, if a fire broke out, it would snuff it out, keep it from moving to other places. Five-year-olds were doing that. And in fact, that revival provoked child labor laws to come into place in England and really touched laws all around the world. I mean, revival is a, I, you know, seed, seed planting seems uneventful. Harvest is eventful because you're hungry. <laughs> Seed planting, is I helped my grandfather plant his gardens. I didn't like it, I got to tell you, but I got a lot of memories out of it. And he showed me, he'd put a little hole in the ground, he'd give me three seeds, put three seeds in there because two of them may not make it, one will be strong, it'll break through, you know, he gave me all these lessons, you know. And and I would go down there in the hot sun of the springtime down in West Virginia Plant these little seeds, you know, and and you know, you look back at the field you just planted, and it's it's uneventful. There's nothing there, nothing sprouting forth. You know, it's just putting a seed in the ground. I felt this morning was a seed going in the ground for a a I don't even know how to describe it. uh, A radical move of sound that's going to come across this nation. I'm gonna be really bold out of this place, and I believe out of this property specifically. And so I feel out of respect to the Lord, we need to receive that. I know this sounds a little bizarre, but uh, sometimes I get that way. So let's all stand together just for a minute. We're gonna let the seed of Christ and the seed of revival and the seed of fire, all of which is the same, to be planted in our hearts think about that for a minute you got to decide do you want this or not it's a seed you know it may not sprout for a while but it's going to be planted how's the soil down there is it good any of you have had your heart plowed lately felt any sharp instrument carving into your heart yeah well that's that's always like a prerequisite for revival you need the deep trowel coming in the plow, coming in your heart to break open the fallow ground so that the seed of Christ, now I know you're all Christians, you're following Jesus and everything. This is just a, uh, a renewal, an awakening to what God's doing in our heart. And out of this church representing Akron, actually we represent three counties, Cuyahoga County, Medina County, and Summit County. In these three counties that we want to be a, a womb of the Spirit, the seed, the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit that came over Mary would come over Bethel, Cleveland. I pray it comes over this whole city. I really do. But we can only be really responsible for us. And so right now, we just, first of all, let's do a little thing. I had no plans of doing this. It's Jerry, Jerry's fault. Just pray right now, Lord. Open our hearts to receive you. Open our hearts to receive you. And Lord, let the seed of Christ and the powerful revival of the Holy Spirit come into our hearts. And Lord, take a match and strike a fire, Lord God, in our hearts. We pray right now that what happened in Swansea, Wales, about 100 years, a little over 100 years ago, would happen in our hearts, Lord, a sound out of Cleveland that will shape the nation. That's a big one. It's a big one, Lord. But Lord, you gave me the idea, so I'm I'm speaking it. Lord, change this nation through this city in the name of Jesus and through our hearts and through this church in Jesus' name. Amen. Anyone feel a little heartburn yet? (laughs) All right, you may be seated. All right, good. You know what happened in Swansea? Uh, The coal miners were so tough. And that the ponies that worked down in the mines, there were ponies that lived their entire lives 200 feet underground, pulling coal. And they would never take them out because they used to do that. And when you take a pony out of the ground that's been down there for 200 years, and they get in the field, they don't know what to do. And all of a sudden, it's like something hits them. I met some of these ponies when I was there. When something hits them, they realize they're no longer in the coal mine, they, they run, they leap, they jump, and they said that they could never get them back in the elevator that would take them down 200 feet because they were like, I'm free and I'm not going back, you know. The coal miners who got touched by this revival were some of the toughest men in the world. I mean, they were rough dudes. I've been to the museums over there. I've studied this, you know, uh, over the years, and they were so impacted. It's funny, the ponies, they couldn't get the ponies 200 feet under the ground to respond to them because they were the ponies were used to being cursed at in order to move, and these guys weren't cursing anymore. They'd been touched by the power of God. In fact, they said 120 years ago, you could put your ear over to the, the channel that went down, the, the shaft that went down deep into the ground. I went down there, and they, they turned the lights out just to show us what it was like down there. And you cannot see your hand three inches in front of your face, you know. And they quickly turned it back on because people were freaking out. But uh, down there, they said that you could stand over the shaft of the mine and hear coming up 200 feet out of the ground, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. And choirs of miners would just sing to the glory of God because they have been radically touched By a 19-year-old, that's how old Evan Roberts was, 19 years old. And they touched the nations around the world within a two-year period. It just, boom, was a flash flood, went all over the world and affected every one of us this day. There's a little bit of that revival in every person that receives Jesus Christ right now in this time because it was only 110 years ago. So going to the scripture here, I want to talk to you a little bit about that. I am in a mood of fortification. I'm in a mood of preparing myself for what's coming. I feel like I'm pregnant. Sometimes I look like it too. I feel like I'm pregnant. I feel like I'm pregnant. I feel like that there's there's something that's been put into me that I, I, I didn't expect. I told you this a couple weeks ago, and I'll, I'll just tell you again because I forgot it, so you probably did too. But it was about a month ago or six weeks ago, somewhere around there. So clearly the Lord told me, because I'm in a legacy phase right now in my life. I'm not leaving. I'm not retiring. But I'm, I'm looking to the next phase of my life. And we're, we're working in the church to figure out legacy plans, you know. Who, who is the next generation that's rising up? you know, to lead this church, to take it to what God has for it. So we're, we're seriously looking at all that stuff. And so in my mind, you know, I'm standing in a threshold in a doorway between my past and my future. And, and again, I'm not leaving, I'm staying here, but but I'll be the old man in the front row for a long time. But, uh, but there's this, there was, the Lord spoke to me and said, it was like the blue pill red pill of matrix we just watched it the other night first time in a few years you know and i was i remembered why i liked it so much the movie matrix cuz it comes to a point where they they realize they're living in a false understand a false world that they're really in a little cubicle of water and it was one of these sci-fi kind of movies you know and and if you take the uh, the red pill the red pill or you can take the blue pill and you can you can stay in this Uh, uh, An unreal world with whatever satisfactions and pains come with it not knowing that it's really not real or you can take the red pill and the red pill will send you down the rabbit hole and you will come to a place where it, it is very uncomfortable it is bleak it is dark it's distressing but it's reality and you will live as a free person so you can just submit your mind and become a slave or you can break open to the realities of what's going on in the world. And it is, a, it is a spiritual message to it. It's really powerful. I don't reckon, I mean, I'm not recommending the movie. There is swearing in there and some people are very sensitive if that reaches their ears and things like that. But it is, it is a movie that, that whether they knew it or not had a prophetic message in it toward the culture at the time. And so there's a breakout moment where people are going to realize I have been confined too long and it's time to break out. That breakout will create ripples across the nation. I believe that this city is one of those places. It's been prophesied over the state for at least three decades that Ohio would be a place of refuge. On this property, people have come on here multiple times and seen thousands of people on this property, some in tents, some of them young people trying to get over the fence from the freeway, Bob Jones saw that. I mean, it was just, they, Bob Jones said, this is Jacob's field, you know, and that, that this would be the place of the upward and downward motions of, the, of Jacob's ladder. Our architect, without even telling me, and, and not even knowing that, added four la- ladders in this building on each corner on the outside. You can see them on your way out, which were Jacob's ladders. In fact, I stood there with the architect and said, oh, you put Jacob's ladder. He goes, what are you talking about? Uh, and he's, I said, right there. <laughs> you designed that. And he goes, oh, it was just a little architectural you know, design I put on the building. I said, well, it's a ladder. <laughs> and there's four of them. So angels are ascending. Angels are descending. We always joke that angels sit. Uh, that's their seat up there uh, on, the, on the left there. And uh, uh, they've been sightings of them here. So you say, this, you know, if you're a first-time visitor right now, you're saying, is there an easy way we can get out right now? <laughs> look, I'm not weird. I'm not weird. But when you get into this God thing and begin to follow Jesus, you realize there's another reality. And it's really the real world. And we're living in this world and things are happening, but there's a whole other thing going on out there, both good and evil, as it's fighting against one another. And you are a key player set on that that chessboard and there's moves that God calls you to make and preparations he's calling you to do for what not just what's happening right now but but for what's about to come you've got to be ready that's why the disciples were called disciples disciple is the core word the root word for discipline they were learners they were following Jesus they were learning his ways. In America, we've kind of lost that a little bit. We've lost that. I mean, we get the following part. Oh, yeah, I like Jesus, you know, like the guy I talked about a few weeks ago, that I like. he fits into my understanding. And, you know, I got a little bit of Buddhism and a little bit of Hinduism, a little bit of Jesusism and all the other isms out there. And I pull it together into a little religion I'm comfortable with. That is very popular in America right now. Meanwhile, Christians, they've been eroded by the culture very, sometimes very slowly, sometimes very rapidly. And the true essence, authenticity in Christianity is being lost right now in America. It really is. We can see it in the polls. I'm going to read some in just a minute. But I want you to read scripture here with me. Because I want to call us to a higher place. And by the way, I am speaking in the mirror. I'm calling Steve Witt to a higher place. When, when Six weeks ago when I was stood in that doorway on the threshold... And I looked to a future and thought, you know, I can just kind of cruise my way out of this now. You know, I, can, I could retire. I could do something a little different. I could stay in the church, and we could kind of just do this or whatever and just kind of cruise through life. And I, I, I was in a prayerful mold, mode at that point, and I felt the Lord speak to me and say, you can do that. It's like, I give you permission to do that. And I was like, all right, all right. You know, and then he says, but look back. And I look back, and it's like, oh, my gosh. I mean, when you've been a pastor for 42 years, I have some stories. <laughs> Individual stories, corporate stories, citywide stories. I mean, I've seen things in our nation, seen things in our state, seen things in our city, seen things in my life and my churches that have pastored over the years. I've been convicted and shaped and molded in my own life in so many ways, and still here I am at 64 looking back saying, so much I do not understand. There's so much I do not know. And so looking back at that is like, Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. And the Lord said, And if you choose that, I'm okay with that too. And you know, when the Lord tells you that, it's almost a trick question. I mean, yeah, I yeah, get it. He, you know, he invited me to move ahead in, the, in greater comfort and just enjoying. And there's nothing wrong with that, actually. There's really nothing wrong. But in my heart, I'm an activist. In my heart, I'm a revolutionary. In my heart, I think we finally come to the place that demands radical Christianity. And so I want to be a radical. I don't care if I'm leading. Really, if I get the privilege of leading, that's great. I want to be a part of an army of Abrahams, Isaacs, and Jacobs. You know what that means? That means, that means baby boomers, Gen Xers, millennials. Now this even go to, I think they're calling them Gen Z now. Gen Z, four generations alive at one time. Abrahams, Isaacs, we need them all. We need Abraham because he's a father of nations. We need Isaac because he laughs all the time. That's what his name means. We need a Jacob because he's wrestling with God and about to be converted into an Israel and about to lead tribes. There's a destiny upon his life, you know, from surplanter or conniver to prince of God. I mean, there's something happening in our generations right now. And this is not a youth revival that is coming. I want to tell you that. It is a generational revival that is coming. And old men and old women, whatever age that is, old men and old women will be beside middle-aged women and and young men and young women and even children will be involved in this. I am so excited about this. And it's about to be caught up. And today I was feeling a wisp of it, a wisp of it. I mean, it was just like a bird flying by your head, you know, just, just a little wisp like that. And it's enough for me to catch on and say, I want that seed in my heart. And so I want to tell you how to do that today because there is something about preparation right now as I'm going through this series on spiritual rhythms. It is so necessary that we learn rhythms in our lives. And I know, I'm I'm trying to be as blatantly open as possible on this. There is, I believe, a deception in the American church right now against spiritual disciplines. And against spiritual rhythms, the whole move of the Spirit inadvertently created something of a thought in people's minds. I don't have to do anything. I just kind of go along with the flow and just follow Jesus and see whatever he's got. That's just not what Jesus had in mind. Jesus always had in mind a partnership. If not, he would have created robots and not people. AI, why didn't he go with that? They're going to do everything he asks them to do. They're going to worship when he says worship. They're going to bow down when he says bow down. They're going to move forward when he says move forward. But people don't do that. You ever notice that? Any of you married? Any of you have children? And so you are getting control over your life. I said this all the time. I still believe it. This is your promised land. (laughs) You got to take, I got to take over Steve. Steve. I can give it, forget everybody else. I got my own challenges here. I got my own giants. There's, there's, there's lions and bears in here. And there's Goliaths in here that need to come down because I'm possessing everything that God called me to be. And it's taken a lifetime to do it. I don't think you ever get over that. It's the, what's the asymptote? What is it? The, where you come near but neither never touch? Really, on this side of heaven, that's exactly what it is. You're coming closer and closer. That's why we pursue the perfection of Jesus Christ. Have you ever read those verses? And you think, when will I be perfect? Well, in your spirit, you're perfected before the Lord. But the rest of you is not there. And so it's a lifetime. It's the pursuit is the call of God. I can see it. I'm getting closer. Whew you know, I'm coming back around, I'm coming back around, it's an orbit of of heaven, I'm coming back around, you're getting closer, you will only hit that when you walk through the gates of whatever God has promised for us, that eternal bliss with him as he's ruling over nations and empires and so forth and so on, we will be with him at his side, we stand there positionally right now before the Lord, so open your Bibles because I want to look at this uh, just for a few minutes that I have left, I Shouldn't have gone that deep into that, but Second uh, Peter chapter 1, uh, I want to unpack this idea here for a minute that I have called personally, <laughs> I came up with this about, I don't know, 10, 20 years ago, something like, that. I wrote it in my journals, you know, and I just get, it was a, it was a word I felt the Lord gave me, I didn't understand it, so, uh, uh, and, and it speaks to a, uh, um, it, sp- it speaks to the forming of the soul. And the and the word for for soul is is a suke a sukography is kind of like the writings of uh, the writings that are on your soul. Sukography is the 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 understanding that I am a triune being. I am spirit, soul, and body. And the soul traditionally and even scripturally is backed up by understanding a lot of great people have talked about this over the years. I don't want to go too deep into it right now, but it's your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's interesting because when you're born again in your spirit, in the core of your eternal being, you were born from above. And the intention of heaven, and you can read it once you get this in your head, you can see it all through scripture. The intention of heaven is that your spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, that's your teacher, your partner, your guide, now takes over your soul. It instructs your soul. That's why we'd be not conformed to the world, but be transformed into a renewing of your mind. How many of you know your mind needs renewal? Your your soul needs renewal. Your mind needs renewal. Your will needs to be renewed. Jesus, one of the ultimate things that he reaffirmed with the Father on the cross, or right before the cross in the garden, was not my will, but your will be done. Every one of us has to come to that not my will moment. The I surrender moment where you go, this is not about me. I've got revelation, it's not about me. I'm taking way too many selfies. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's about his purpose. It's about his goal. I want, Lord, (laughs) write your name on my heart. I belong to you. And so there's this cry, and he, he cries back and says, let's, let's take over this house. Let's, con, let's conform you in the very image. Jesus says, follow me, call upon me, learn of me. So you begin this, this thing of following Jesus. And what you're doing is you're exploring your soul. It's like going through an old house that you just bought sight unseen. You go through every room, and you discover things that need to be cleaned up and things that need to be done. And so I explore my soul. I believe Jesus explored his soul because Jesus was in spiritual rhythms. I'm going to show you some of his rhythms in a minute. He was in a rhythm in his life that prepared, was preparing his soul for whatever he faced in his life. And so when he was on the cross, he was rejected by all. He was standing alone totally. He had already been there. He would already been there in his soul. He dealt with, he fortified his soul that when he was on the cross, he could stand. I mean, this is demonstrated in so many ways, you know, whether it's the seed that goes into the ground I was talking about earlier, that there's things already, there's stuff that's going to happen to that seed to try to prevent it from being viable. You know, the the heat's going to come out when it sprouts and burn that little sprout. It's a picture of difficulties and challenges in your life when the heat comes on, you know. So you spread out. You see it happen to a lot of young believers that are new in the Lord. They don't yet have the undergirding of Christ in them and the power they have not. I'm not saying that Christ isn't in them, he's in them. But the power of understanding what's actually their inheritance and what they're called into, they have not activated in some way. It's kind of like you get a credit card in the mail, you know, you have to call a number to activate it. Well, there's things you need to do to activate what's in your life, and the potential of transforming you so that you can move in what God's called you to move in. And so you explore your soul. When I went through, I've been through many things in my life. Most difficult challenges have been physical. And and the physical challenges were were immense. And when I got to those places where it was, you know, your, your world shrinks down to your bed, basically, when it's sickness, when your world shrinks down to your bed, or if it's financial, it may shrink down to your wallet, <laughs> whatever you have in there. But when it shrinks down like that, you really do find out what's going on inside. And you find out. It's, it's a great evaluation time. <laughs> but in our culture right now, we we slough that off. We go, I don't want to confess anything difficult. And, you know, I, I'm not really allowed to go through pain. And people don't go through pain if you're a believer. And Christ in me. They have all these verses to kind of condemn you out of the mode. But the truth is, sometimes you go through valleys of shadow of death so that you can measure where you are in your soul. The pandemic was a measuring of our soul. I don't know how you did. I did kind of okay some days and not okay others. I mean, some days you just get up and it's, it's kinda of bad. I got up the other morning, because my phone buzzed. I got up, looked at my phone, and it's pretty bad when facial recognition does not recognize you. <laughs> I had to kinda of sit up, comb my hair a little bit, put it back up there again, check, okay. I'm who I think I am, and who my phone thinks I am. So you wanna be recognized. I never knew you. <laughs> you want to be able to enter into the fullness of what God has. And so you get up with passages like this. This is one of my favorite ones on this topic, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. It's, it's what's called a moral ladder. Moral ladders were very popular in the first century. All types of different philosophers and thinkers had these moral ladders. You climb this ladder, and you'll, you're going to be in bliss. You're going to be satisfied or whatever. Peter, Peter borrows on that idea which is pretty interesting as a fisherman. He would borrow on an idea like this. And he actually suggests that there is a path we're supposed to walk, or better yet, there's a ladder we're supposed to climb into the purposes of God as we become spiritual people. And it says this in 2 Peter 1, verse 5. It says, but also for this reason, verse 5, for this reason, giving all diligence. And the Greek word here is basically where we get our phrase, for uh, uh, per- personal energy. So you're yielding your personal energy to the Lord. That involves time, treasure, what's the other, time, treasure, talents. Yes, thank you, appreciate that. Time, treasure, and talents. You're yielding them to the Lord. You know, and we have to ask questions during these times. Am I yielding the fullness to God that I've been called to yield? Am I willing to go forward through this door or backward into this door back here and going forward in this case is not a bad thing it's just uh, I just want to continue to live in oblivion going back which by the way that's what I decided to go back I said you know what I'm stepping back into the fray I'm going to become a warrior I'm going to fight against this cultural battle, which is really a spiritual battle going on in the United States right now. We are going to see our cities won for the Lord Jesus Christ. It might get worse before it gets better. But ultimately, I want to look 10 years into the future and say, where do I want America to be 10 years from now? Where do I want Cleveland to be 10 years from now? Where do I want to be 10 years from now? But most important, above everything else, is where do I want my grandchildren to be 10 years from now? I'm fighting for another generation so God's calling all of us Abrahams where are you Abrahams and Sarah's out there raise your hand at me come on just don't be embarrassed just wait yeah you're all old folks yeah that's true where's the Isaacs out there I don't know where the Isaacs are they like 30 to 50 or something like that I don't know where are you at out there All right, a lot of Isaacs we just bless that laughter anointing on you where are Jacobs Jacobs that's like I guess 30 and under Jacobs where are you okay you're really Israel you're wrestling with God right now. You're gonna win this thing and you're gonna come out on the other side. In fact, raise your hand again. I see, I know some of you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, God's, God's done some amazing things. That row back there especially, there's something powerful about your, even the relation, your tribe. There's a tribal thing going on there with a bunch of people that hang out together and the Lord's saying, there's a purpose written in the DNA of that tribe that you haven't even you don't even know yet that's about to be understood And I think when we sang that song right was it Jay write your name on my heart somehow that that flew by you you felt like hey I felt something on that song I belong to you there's a pursuit right now that he's putting in your heart and as you pursue that you're going to find amazing open ancient gates opening up and the devouring and the 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 suppression of evil and the exalting of the Lord Jesus Christ. We just bless that group right there in Jesus' name. Anyway, back to, yeah, back to the uh, scripture. It says, giving all diligence. That's me, we, we yield. We, we are yielding our lives. I, I feel so, you know, sometimes I feel uh, hindered by political correctness and I try to break through it when I can. But I, I feel because it it's been pumped so much time. I feel the pressures of cancel culture, especially when we're on, on live stream like this. I just want you to know, I'm committing to break through that. I really am, because I, I can feel it in my own life, because it, it's, it's, it's framed in, in words that are actually almost religious and almost Christian-like, but, but the outcome of it is not Jesus, and so we're in a time right now where we have to be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves as we navigate through this cultural time. So Peter looks ahead to now, I believe, and he says, look, giving all diligence, add. Now this is key because the add in the Greek is inferred all throughout. You'll see it in a minute. All throughout this passage, add. So in other words, put this on, add this to your life. He's actually telling you right now in a culture, in a Christian culture that barely believes that anyone should tell you to do anything. That you should add anything on. You have everything in Christ. We all understand that, right? We have everything in Christ, but we do not access everything in Christ. And the accessing of those things in Christ involves you yielding your life fully to Jesus Christ. When you do, you access things in Jesus Christ. Why do people seem to access greater things in Christ? Because they've yielded their life. They really have. Are they perfect people? No. But they've yielded their lives. You can learn from people like that. You can learn from imperfect people. Turn to the person next to you and say, that's true. Just tell them that. That doesn't mean you, but that's that's true. All right. So add, listen to this. This word, this Greek word stresses deep personal involvement. Add to your faith. Okay, that's the first thing you get. I've had faith in Jesus Christ. Alright, what's next? Virtue. Really? What does that mean? I'm packing. I don't have time right now. But add to your faith virtue. Add to your virtue knowledge. Add to knowledge self-control. Add to self-control perseverance. Add to perseverance godliness. Add to godliness brotherly kindness. Add to brotherly kindness love. Love is the ultimate point. But it appears there's a journey to love. There's a journey to the fullness of love that God has given you. I'm not talking about beating yourself or having to visit a place or in order to get some special anointing. I'm talking about you yielding your life piece by piece, portion by portion to the Lord. When you do that, you are opening the gateways of greater revelation to who Jesus is and what his call is on your life. And where we're going in America, you need this now more than ever. We're in a serious, critical Uh, what would I call it a uh, inflection point in American history and possibly human history right now and the stand that you take or the stand you do not take means a lot I mean here I'm going to come back to this verse in a minute so keep your finger there or keep your finger on the on your phone or whatever Pew studies that were done in Ohio is very interesting Uh, Ohio specifically Ohio I actually did this in North Carolina last week because I've got some for North Carolina too 67% of Ohioans believe in God. 67%, that's two-thirds. I mean, in my mind, I'm not sure. I first hear that and I go, I don't know. I think a lot of people believe in God, but 67%, two-thirds of everyone I meet out on the street is a Jesus follower. I don't know if I believe that, but I think they believe it or they wouldn't have said it. So 67 people that were interviewed said they believed in God. Their attendance at religious services, oh, okay, that's 38%. So it starts dropping. You go, well, that's not a problem. I mean, universal church, church churches worldwide, you can do whatever you want. I understand all that. I've heard that for 40 years. I get it. I understand what you're saying. But there's something about when you yield yourself to a committed group of people that are hard to like at times. This involves every one of us in the room. When you yield yourself, there's something about the action of surrendering to serve your brother and sister. In an environment where you're supposed to love one another, that's what the church is about. You know, we we demonstrate how to love one another. It doesn't always happen that way. I've been in churches my whole life. It doesn't always happen that way. Sheep bite, and shepherds do too. (laughs) It goes both ways. People go, well, shepherds do this. And I go, you know, I have been bit by more sheep than shepherds in my life. Maybe because there's more sheep than shepherds. I don't know. So, so I get I get the imperfections of the church, but it's Jesus' girlfriend. It's Jesus' future bride. It's, you, you know, you, you gotta you see that person. Yeah, yeah, it is. I know, I know, I know, I know. You're perfect, but that person is just has not entered into that realm yet. You know, so have mercy on them. Out of your out of your your glory, your personal glory, love on them as an individual, as to maybe you can lift them up. What we find out is, is when when you surrender yourself to others that are following Jesus also, it changes your soul. It softens your will. It softens your emotions. When you hear the stories of people that are sitting right next to you, it changes you. It's one of the key reasons the Lord designed this thing the way he did. We're supposed to get things worked out in here so that when you go out there, You've got the assurance of what happens in here as you go out there. You are armed by relationship with imperfect people. That's why we need to solve problems in here. People don't want to solve problems in churches. They don't. They say, oh, I don't know, it's none of your business. And They have all these reasons why you shouldn't do it. But when you read scripture, actually, there's God-given authority that's been given in churches. There are ways that things need to be done. I mean, even if you have an ought against somebody else, an old King James word, you're supposed to go to that person. I'm not going to go to that person. I'm not going to let him know that I thought that. I, you know, I got, I'm, I'm over it. I was very angry, now I'm not. It's like, okay. But still, I think you should go. Why would I do that? Because Jesus said in Matthew 18, you need to go to them. I'm not sure in the Greek that's really what he was saying. (laughs) No, I've looked at the Greek. It's what he was saying. Well, how does that really apply? I mean, we have all these reasons to dance around non-change. But God is after you. God is after me in all the most loving ways. It's, it's like giving a, a cat a bath. The cat never is convinced that you love them. That's why they clean themselves. Back off, human. I don't need you. I'll use my paw to clean my back. You're like, you need a bath. And we're going to have. A bath if you're going to live in the house. And so you give them a bath. I mean, they freak out. I mean, the cats are totally, they, they have extraordinary wills. So we go to belief in God is 67. Attendance at religious ser- services is 38. Participation in a religious group is 25% of Ohio. 25% of Ohio. Some do like their, you know, regular attendance kind of a thing. But as far as really participating in a group, 25%. Seldom to never, 58%. Sources for guidance on right and wrong in Ohio, 33% of people rely on religion as their guidance. And by religion, they mean uh, a God belief. So 33%, even though we have 67% of believers in the state, only 33% when faced with something that demands a right or wrong decision, do they uh, go to God for it. What's the number one thing they go to? Common sense. Common sense is a God over God. Belief in the absolute. How many believe in the absolute? How many believe there is a God? How many believe that that there are absolutes that, you know, gravity or something? I don't know. Uh, there are absolutes. 32%. Uh, how many of you go for circumstantial rather than absolute? 66%. There's an absolute. I mean, it depends on if I know the person and I like them. If I don't know them and I don't like them, that's wrong. Yeah. But if I like them and I know them, oh, yeah, but you know what? They're 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 okay. I know them well. You know they're they're it's fine. It Doesn't matter. They burnt the house down. It you know it they it was just a moment they were having and I, you know and and they got upset at their spouse or their kids and yelled at them, screamed at them. But, you know they're really not that kind of person. Wait, then the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Oh, you mean it's inside of them? Yeah. But sixty-six percent of the people say I'd rather go that way than believe in an absolute in Ohio. Not West Virginia, not Pennsylvania, Ohio. Read scripture one time a week, 36 Ohioans. 36% of Ohioans read scripture at least one time a week. One time a week. Seldom, never, 46%. Now, when you, this, the dig down is not to bring condemnation. The dig down is to say, this is the state of American Christianity. That's why we do not know the word. And so when something comes up in culture we don't understand, we have no absolute to apply to it because, well, yeah, it says it in the Word of God, but it's kind of an ancient text. And I don't know, what, didn't Jesus kind of eliminate all that stuff? Someone told me the other day that the Torah is not relative anymore. The Torah is always relative. Relevant, relevant. I'm sorry. Yes, thank you for my person to help me in the front row, Cindy. Yeah, it's relevant. It's, it's a relevant thing to, to believe in that the Torah is the core of what springs out in the New Testament. You can't just read the New Testament. You've got to read the Old Testament. The Old Testament typically is about the Jews and their journey. In the New Testament, you're called a Jew and you're supposed to be in alignment with what's been walked through in the Old Testament. Out of deliverance, into your promised land and all the challenges and wanderings in the middle. It's part of what God's called us to do. A forming and a shaping of the core of who we are. Let's all stand together if we could. Sorry I ran out of time. Now, here's the kicker. In 2 Peter chapter 1, which we just read, it says, if these things are yours. well, uh, uh, But I thought I had everything in Jesus Christ. Well, you have it, but this is an activation of what you have. So, you know, the virtue thing, the faith thing, the virtue thing, all the way up through, you know, the godliness culminating in love. It's the ultimate goal of the Spirit of God is love. Love never fails. Love covers a multitude of sin. So that's the journey we're all on. I don't know where you are. I, I, I think I know where I am. And I'm, you know, sometimes I, it's snakes and ladders. You know, it's, it's up and it's down. It's up and it's down. But, we, you know, we're, asymptote- we're getting closer and closer. We're pursuing perfection through Jesus Christ. It says this, if these things are not yours. Now listen to this, because this is important. And abounding in you. This is Peter writing it. Peter of all guys knew what this was about. If these things are not yours and, and abounding You will be neither uh, or yours, if these things are yours, I'm sorry, are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful. Barren means idle, lazy, unfruitful means not yielding what it ought to yield. So as you pursue these things, there's an open door of abundance. And fruitfulness that comes in your life. I have had Christian friends that don't even want to talk about fruit. God's not interested in fruit. Of course he is. He said, one of the first things he said was be fruitful and multiply. It wasn't about planting an apple tree. It was about our lives. Fruitful. Be, be people who express Jesus Christ in our lives. It says right here, uh, be, be fruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9 says... For he who lacks these things, in other words, you're not pursuing it, you're just bobbling down the road hoping things worked out, is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he is cleansed. This is really interesting. That he was cleansed, this is a purification which results in God removing undesirable mixtures in our life. That's the definition. So he has cleansed you from your old sins. In other words, these are things that demonstrate truly that your life has been touched by the founder of the universe, Jesus Christ. Verse 10, last, last verse. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent. Now see, when I hear diligent, I don't want to be like, oh no, I got to work harder. I That's not what it's about. I mean, we've received Jesus Christ because of his precious blood. We are saved. We get eternal life into our lives. This is what happens after that, that there is a Powerful determination, the seed of Christ that's in you that begins to move toward becoming a person that loves. Be more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do in these things you will never stumble. What? That's outrageous. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wow, let's we'll just meditate on that for a minute. Jesus, what does that mean? You want me to grow? You want me to bear fruit? You know, when you worship, you're opening more doors in your life. When you read, your, you read scripture, even if it's a ritual of reading, you go, know, every day I read so much scripture, you know God's gonna use that to awaken something in your life? That's why I do it. I do it because it awakens something in me every time. i read through genealogies. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get through this. And then the Lord shows you something in the genealogy. You're like, oh, whoa. I mean, Just this week I saw something. I, that, that they gathered all the almond rods in each of the 12 tribes of Israel, grouped them together. And it said, this is how Moses picked his leaders. And the next day he came out and one of the rods had a bud on it with actually an almond ready to eat. (laughs) That's not bad for overnight. And it was Aaron's rod. So he used Aaron's rod because I think God's on this person. I mean, who picks leaders that way? There is a kingdom out there. Take the red pill. The red pill will open you up to a whole world that in one way is private and secret But the powers of it are enough to change cities and change nations. So, Lord, I pray right now as Jay's coming. Yeah, come on over here, Jay. Feel better when you're standing next to me. (laughs) We just release, Lord, right now. Mindsets to shift. Mindsets to change. We take up the armor of God. We put on truth. We put on righteousness. We shot our feet in peace, the gospel of peace. We put on the helmet of salvation to guard our mind, Jay. That's why we put that helmet on. It's Jesus on our heads. What do we do? I love it. In every part there in the Greek, it says taking up, taking up, taking up. You got to take this up. I am taking this up. How do you take things up? You take things up by movement. Your body, your soul is being shaped into something beautiful before the Lord. Lord, I pray that we're not moving towards some kind of a spiritual elitism or... You know, uh, uh, spiritual cockiness or anything like that. Lord, I, I, I bless the Lord for authentic Jesus maturity to emerge in this crowd for what we are about to face. In the name of Jesus, Jake. So good.
1: As Pastor C was speaking, this song came into my mind. It goes, Your presence. Is an open door. We want You, Lord, like never before. Won't you close your eyes, kind of focus your attention on Him? Your presence is an open door. We want You more than ever. Before we are standing here together with an invitation when Pastor Steve was talking about how he could have just cruised forward into oblivion and relaxed. He said a door opened up on his left and he had the opportunity to step back into the fray. And when he was talking about that, I pictured this door opening. And have you ever seen a movie with a really big storm, like the perfect storm or hurricane? I saw that, that scene. I saw Steve walk in that hallway, but there, the door stayed open. And I believe that there's an opportunity for us to make a decision too. Will we enter the fray? Will we value the fire of God over our comfort? Will we make decisions to prioritize what he can do in our life if we surrender? And that looks like a sacrifice sometimes, but where does fire fall? Always on sacrifice. Isn't it amazing? It is so simple. This is not complicated. It's profoundly simple. A door has been opened and you've been invited to step back into the fray and to do something with your life that will matter for the kingdom of God. I don't know about you. I'm putting on my coat, my hat, whatever. I gotta get together. I wanna go through that door. Yeah. That's you. That's you. Why don't you just kind of, I don't know what a prophetic prophetic activation would look like right in this moment, but maybe it just looks like putting like your hand up in the air and saying, Lord, hmm, that's you. I want to walk through that door. I just want to pray over you, those people in the room and online. We want to step through the door. God, whatever that looks like, As long as you are the one who is leading, we are in it. So Father, anything that's held us back, anything in our life that, any comfort, any weight that's been holding us in one place, it reminds me of the rich young ruler. I mean, Jesus didn't just invite everyone to follow him, but he did, he invited this rich young ruler to follow him and he told him to sell everything he had and he thought that the price tag was too high and he didn't go. But I often wonder, what would his life have looked like if he had said, yes, I will sell it all? Would we be reading about him in the New Testament today outside of that moment? Some of us here today, you're in that spot. You're in the hallway and you're feeling the wind start to fill those sails of your spirit, and there's a sense in your heart that if you were to step forward into this, that there would be some kind of release that your life would start to look different. But along with that, it starts to feel like fear because fear and faith sometimes feel similar when they come in at the onset, but the application's different, right? So today, Lord, we surrender. If you wanna give your heart to Jesus right now, why don't you just put your hand up in the air? If you've never given it before, if you wanna give it now, you're entering the fray, not just to kind of walk into the storm and make a difference, but because you wanna know this man called Jesus. Online, if that's you too, Father God, in Jesus' name, come into my heart. Write your name on my heart. God that I would belong to you that when when anybody sees me in the world when anybody comes into contact with me that they would sense who I belong to that they would almost see the name of Jesus written across our lives like a giant banner and I invite you to come into my heart right now and do that Jesus write your name on my heart that I may never be the same and I would always know that from this point on I will forever belong to Jesus Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I think we can get that slide up there, the I have decided slide. We would love for you to text your name and email to that number on the screen. We'd love to pray for you and follow up, but I'm just gonna bless you. Is that okay? Is this good? Put your right hand up. I bless you, Bethel Cleveland. I bless you with supernatural courage and bravery. I bless you to start to hear not just the voice of the Lord, but his commands and his word, that as you walk throughout your day-to-day life, that you would feel a little gentle tap on your shoulder and a whisper in your ears, the Holy Spirit begins to talk to you about your life and who you could be and where you could go. And I bless you to experience a greater level of his presence than you ever have before. In the mighty name of Jesus, everyone said amen. Thank you so much for joining us this week.